first half hour heroes podcast featuring myself jameson stone and rick hines so very happy to be here with you having our very first podcast featuring video games storytelling and books i thought it was uh storytelling gaming and books what is this, i thought i thought it, i thought it was books gaming and storytelling wait what's going on here rick <laughs> what we have is a fun 30 minute podcast where we're going to talk to you guys and talk with each other about 10 minutes of storytelling video gaming or books or in any cut up order that that is so that we have uh, we touch base on everything that can happen in those topics and we're going to try to do all kinds of various things so why don't we actually get to know who we are first James, who the hell are you? Who am I? That's a great question. I have, I, I have a philosophy degree, and we were taught to ask ourselves that question every day. Who are we? So I am Jameson Stone, author of Rune of the Apprentice, longtime gamer, um, and not just video games too, but also old school tabletop RPGs, anything from Dungeons and Dragons to Vampire the Masquerade to Shadowrun. Um, I was never, well, I did it a couple times, only a little bit of GMing myself, so I don't have the, the GM badge as, as Rick does, but um, huge gamer and also now published author with ink shares along with rick so rick i know that you've done a little bit more of the tabletop experience um so take it away my friend yeah so uh i'm rick uh also known as cranky bolt on any social media platform that's out there uh in mostly because of my love of being a cranky bolt when it comes to storytelling and a giant steam golem uh so no i've been storytelling for probably about 20 years now uh, i started off with Wraith the Oblivion, actually, and Nominee, and then moved on to other games like Dungeons & Dragons, White Wolf, ran massive live-action games, Eclipse Phase, uh, you know, played in the heyday of the 90s when it was trench coats and katanas. Oh, my God, uh, dude. Yeah. The trench. So how many trench coats do you have? I had at least uh, two. I, had I have least six. Two. Six, six now? Trench. Okay. Wow, that's yeah, pretty I, good. I, I, have, I have six trench coats, and every one of them is custom-made. I have, like, a demon coat. I have like a leather coat filled with all this, uh, you know, gears and wires on it, all kinds of stuff. But um, uh, like Jameson, I'm a published author with uh, Inkshares. And um, I also, when it comes to gaming, uh, I am very monogamous with my games. I like to say that I'm a huge video gamer, but the truth is I've really only played League of Legends for probably the past uh, few years. What you've ends been, up playing, you've is, been playing Overwatch though, dude, you're right. Yeah, I dabble, right? But... I found that, um, like, I have Deus Ex uh, sitting on my uh, PlayStation right now, and all I want to do is take time off work to play yeah. Deus Ex. Yeah. I purposefully didn't get it for just that reason, because I knew that I'd want to play it, because I, I, as I, I told you before we started going to New York Comic Con, I knew that if I started Deus Ex before New York Comic Con, I wouldn't get any work done. So I feel you, man. It's hard. Um, but... Uh, oh, and we'll get, to, we'll get to Deus Ex in the video game section. Okay, so, right on. It, in the, in the storytelling section, um, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about ways and to enhance your storytelling, uh, how to GM, uh, how to get uh, players invested, um, do's and don'ts, mistakes. Uh, and we're going to talk about cool things and little mini adventures you can do with various game systems like mix, mix matches, um, how to uh, enhance horror 
uh, is, you know, one that I'd probably like to do in the next, you know, month or two. And Rick, um, so for, for people, you are also, you do LARPing as well too. So it's not just pen and paper tabletop. You're, you're, you right. do live action. So yeah, just yes. to make that clarification for our listeners. Yeah. I'll, uh, play the rock, paper, scissors or the card system, or, you know, even the people that walk around, whether it be legend of the five rings to vampires, to werewolves or changelings, or even uh boffer LARPs or apocalyptic, apocalyptic LARPs like dystopia rising. So, um, you know, we'll tell you, Hey, here's cool things you can do. And actually for our first episode, I have a, a, a great one for, uh, what not to do. Um, one of the live action games I attended to this past weekend was a Vampire the Masquerade game, and they wanted to host a salon. And when you are playing these games, it's real good to have your players be invested to create all kinds of plot line and sub content in a live action game. What they decided to do was host an event called the Player Haters Ball, where everybody was supposed to dress up like uh, some like the people from the Dave Chappelle skit and be um, sort of like pimps. Uh, and go into this gathering at a friend's house that they had decorated up to the nines, and the players would just insult each other for like two or three nights. Whoever had the best insult uh, sort of got the status in the salon. Don't do this. In yeah, I was gonna game. say I don't it, think it, I don't it, think it, I'd sign up for that. That doesn't it, sound it, fun to me. If you're a live action storyteller, or you have a bunch of players that think it would be cool to sit around and have a bunch of live action players sit around and try to be witty enough to come up with fun and engaging insults don't all that happens is that it evolves down into the worst types people get frustrated nobody showed up to the event in a game that normally draws 75 players only 10 people showed up uh they're probably every... some of the rudest 10 too i mean they're like yeah. the roasters you know like out of every metric of live action success, this event was a total failure. Um, so we're going to tell you the good stories and we're going to tell you some of my uh, live action horror stories uh, that I've run to. Now, Jameson, you've had some time out there playing live action. I know that you've always wanted to do it at some point. What do you have? I mean, you mentioned Shadowrun. I really enjoy Shadowrun for uh, for that Shadowrun, we did mostly just tabletop. I don't. Can you can you do LARPing Shadowrun? I guess you do. You could LARP anything, but we did a lot of uh, Vampire the Masquerade and then Mage the Ascension um, live action. We would don our trench coats and we would go out in the park uh, late at night uh, in high school and college and just run around like crazy people, pretending to to uh, suck each other's blood or light each other on fire with fireballs and stuff. It was it was nope. a lot of fun. Mage the live action, one of the most controversial White Wolf live action games that ever came out. Uh, uh, for uh, the 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 idea that you have this game system where you're supposed to be able to bend reality to your yep, will, yep, and then yep. like somehow have this be an actual game that players could do without you know it turning into I have a force field, I have a laser beam, give me cops and robbers. Uh, they they tried to make a game system for it. Uh, it really for us it just turned in it turned into like this like a basically us what what we would normally be doing is just like sitting in our um you know dorm rooms i went to boarding school like doing mage we just did it then outside basically like at, okay. at, like in a uh, you know either in the forest or in a park or like in a graveyard and we basically like at first we kind of run around and then we kind of get a little tired and we just sit down and then finish the game off <laughs> it was kind of like okay like might as well just no. do it inside 
How many players did you have? Uh, we would it, not, nothing super large. I think you run you run some pretty large games. Uh, again, it was in boarding school, so we would have like maximum probably like twelve or thirteen, but usually like a dedicated okay. like five or six people, um, and we would we would just run games, and then we like five or six players with a GM, so like seven. No. Don't get me wrong, those uh, smaller five to six games, uh, five to six players for a game or you know, even mm-hmm. 10 to 12 in that parlor LARP style, um, you can get really creative as a GM when you have a small yeah. amount of dedicated you players. You really invest. You can invest in those storylines and those character yes. developments. And, yeah. uh, the larger the game goes, the um, the more you can do with sort of you know renting out locations right. or perhaps having a bigger theatrical performance, but the less you can actually do for uh, player investment because when you have 100 players – if you don't manage your time as a storyteller, your phone will be off the hook every single night of the week and you'll be doing backgrounds and character sheets and updates and you have no life. Your life is right. that game, you know, which is uh, an interesting balance to strike. But um, I, in time, we'll, we'll cover exactly how to do all of that stuff. So um, speaking so of speaking of balance, one of the things here at Half Hour here is that we're going to have to balance, and I think it's going to be a learning thing, is balancing our time. So right now, uh, Rick and I, we're looking at our timer, and we got 20 minutes left, and this is only a 30-minute podcast. So I think we're going to jump in, jump into video games right now. And another balancing act that I, and Rick and I were talking about this uh, the other week, uh, that I have to balance with video games, man, is my video game addiction. I am hardcore addicted to video games, and it sucks. Um, it's like really horrible so i don't know we'll, we'll we could do an entire podcast just you know <laughs> just dedicated to that one thing but um i'll i'll jump into some of my my uh the things that i love about gaming but rick what so you said that you you've been playing a lot of league i know that you've been playing um some overwatch deus x what other stuff even classic you know like back in the day games did you enjoy yeah, so I, I grew up on, on RPG games. I yeah, mean, right Super on, Mario, too. everything from Final Fantasy to Super Mario RPG, and I don't care what anybody says, I freaking love that game. It was one of the best RPG games that was ever made on yeah, the original Super Nintendo. Super, super fun. Yeah, super fun. Um, the, uh, and then when I had to make the choice between that I think most people in their 30s had to make was you had the PlayStation 1, or you had the Nintendo GameCube. Yep. And it was Final Fantasy VII that happened to be the game that sold me on the PlayStation and set me down to that path, yep. forever locking me off to the Nintendo games, uh, except I did dabble back in for Twilight Princess because I'm a huge Zelda fan. Yeah, I you know I feel bad. I, I, did, I was the exact same way. I was a diehard uh, PlayStation fan, and I did not have the GameCube. And I, I lost out on a lot of cool games, particularly a lot of the, the later Zelda games. I had the original NES, and so we had Zelda like everyone else you know like the golden zelda um back on the you know the famicom or the nes but um, i miss out on some a lot of really cool rpgs um which is really a shame uh, i mean i also uh, dabbled but i'm sure like you did you ever play uh, mega man oh yeah dude of course right absolutely so i i, I hold a, a very proud achievement that i'm very fond of i have beaten every single mega man game that's ever come out wow that's that's pretty sweet um so that's uh why i have mega man on my glasses and proto man and zero and all the characters in the uh uh the universe so if that's... i could find a way to become a machine i would <laughs> right on it's actually kind of funny this is like maybe not a great story to tell it kind of tells you a lot about my childhood but i remember in grade school 
during one like you know like a vacation you get a week off and instead of doing anything my mom unfortunately was sick so my brother and i we played mega man and we rented i don't know like mega man x4 or something one of like some one of those x somethings and that's literally all we did for an entire solid week man um we had like like my my mom was like really laid out sick and so we had like piles of like dishes in our room we shared a room and it was like like we wore the same clothes the entire time we just played this game the entire time and it, yeah, your, it was, your, your mom's dying in the other room dude, just, like hard no, hardcore like needing a blood transfusion sick like really bad um i'm sure we would like get her food too now we wouldn't do the dishes or anything so yeah i don't know that's my little mega man story um so Really excited to to cover. Um, uh, so I, I I love I love mainstream AAA titles. Also, really huge fan of indie games. Like really 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 into indie games. Um, I unfortunately don't have enough time as I'd like to find new indie games. So one of the things that I want to do for this podcast is spend some time, and we'll be also heavily relying on the comment section. But spend some time. Um, searching for new indie games and then doing little mini interviews. So again, this is short half hour heroes, but doing little mini interviews with the game developers here in this video gaming section to be able to bring you guys some new, um, new games and, and kind of a peek behind the curtain. And it'll be a quick sneak peek, but um, it should be a pretty cool feature. Uh, it'll range the gambit from, you know, anything as small as a Kickstarter game um, to some indie games that are, you know, bigger, bigger titles and bigger studios. So I'm excited about that piece. Hey, if we can find a way to get the guys from Skullgirls and or Broforce in here, uh, I am down for either of those. Yeah, uh, yeah. Those are two indie games that popped up on my PlayStation Network radar that I'm in love with. So. There's a lot of cool things. I, I actually I just today downloaded um, the glorified screensaver that is called The Mountain. Um, it's a video game where you basically just watch this floating mountain in space. Um, I don't know. It... It, it, it's it's pretty ridiculous. It's fun. I had it kind of going off in the side um, while I was going. Are you familiar with this game? It's it's only nine no, cents. Yeah, dude. It's it, so yeah. It's a game about a floating mountain. In it's space. really crazy. So again, called the mountain. Ninety nine cents on the Steam store, and so it asks you a series of questions like, what is love? What is forgiveness? And you draw out on the screen what those things are. And I don't know if it actually tabulates that data. I don't know if that just brings you into the world. And then you have this floating mountain that interacts with itself and the very sparse environment and the seasons change. And then you can hear if you either uh, press the period key or just kind of wait long enough, um, you can hear what the mountain is thinking. Um, and so it'll be like, oh, isn't it lonely? Or, oh, wow, like I'm contemplating the universe. And it's like very, very strangely soothing. And if you press key, the keystrokes, it'll you can create this like piano music. It's really very, very strange. Um, and it's a, like a great example of an indie game of like, like, what is a video game? Is a video game something that like has user interaction? There's definitely user interaction here. Is there a story? Well, what do you need to have a story? Characters, and this goes a little bit into our storytelling section and what we'll then re, you know soon go into for the book section. So, you know, you have two authors here on this podcast and we can tell you a bit about storytelling and writing, but you know, so. Which is actually the, the what you're talking about is exactly what I want to cover in the video game section is I want to cover uh, the narrative arcs and things that happen in these video games games um or even uh you know uh even some of the uh, the tabletop games like that not tabletop isn't like plain uh, i mean yeah it can be plain but also like board games and and right. or even writing good rpg backstories for your characters right. uh when it comes to any indie games that have uh what jameson's talking about where you wonder what the heck is going on 
Uh, there was this game. Do you ever play Journey? Oh yeah. Oh, that's a uh-huh. fabulous, fabulous game. I love that. Game. Uh, yeah. Uh, that game was was beautiful, but it was a, a perfect example of just here. You're dropping this world. You don't know what's going on. There's a mountain in the distance. Right. Uh, they don't give you any feedback, and you just start exploring and wandering, and eventually uncover the history of the world and right. how they had built this utopia, and they all got. And I, it's been a while since I've played it. Remind, there's no dialogue, and you play with one other person who's randomly selected from across the planet, right? And you, you it's a, it, yep. it's a two-player game. You both are thrown in, but there's no dialogue and there's no communication. But you can like signal them to help you because there's a lot of things you can only do when you have that other person assisting you. Correct? Right. Uh, that that chip and. In, in chime method which is which was great because it got to show that hey you know communication and how people communicate uh doesn't have to just be through dialogue or yelling at each other on the internet and yeah or flame, flame uh, wars yeah exactly you know yeah. uh, but it yeah. it created all kinds of uh fun experiences and then the, the 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 true envy happened in the game when somebody with a white cloak would show up and you'd be like how the hell did that person get that i want that cloak <laughs> All right. And then all of a sudden inequality was introduced into the game and envy and greed. Uh, and then you kept doing the thing again and again and again, endlessly and obsessively until you found a way to get the damn white cloak uh, on an impossible time trial. But that's really funny. I don't think I, I yeah, I don't I don't I don't think I played it enough times to get that that deep into it. That's funny. For the record, I, I don't have a white cloak yet. Okay. Uh, my uh, Michelle, my uh, my wife, she uh, she's she's more obsessed with it than I am, and she's really getting close to that, but she hasn't gotten it yet either. That's a, it's so a really fun we'll... game. I, I played I played that with my wife Becca as well. We had a lot of fun. Really quick before we before we have transitioned into our book section, um, I watched a. Re- replay on um, the internet actually of a really cool indie game it was a text adventure i believe it's called my uncle works for nintendo and it's about it's a text adventure where the main character oh. do you have you heard have you heard of this or is this yeah um, I've, heard of, I've heard of this it was so cool man and I, I i was watching a streamer play it um whose name i forget i could google it but um it was so 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 interesting it was really actually pretty frightening um the music really drew you in so it's a, it's a text adventure with like very 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 mild um like cell shaded graphics um that it, it doesn't really do much um but the actual story was awesome. Um, I really, really loved it. And it was a great example of that, like the character arcs and like you die, you know, you die a couple times for six different endings. And some of them are like, you are dead to try to start over again. Um, and it really drew me into the world. It was amazing. I loved it. Hey, did you ever uh, play MUDs or uh, multi-user dungeons online? Just the complete text-based I, I did, you know, I did. I had some friends in high school that got really, really into them, and I yeah, like, would watch. I would watch them play because it was like it was the same reason why I was content with just watching the streamer play this. Uh, my uncle works for Nintendo or whatever, whatever the title of this game is. Because um, I, I was like, I don't need. I can just watch. I can just read it, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I, I had some friends get really into it. You know, speaking of watching uh, streams and things like that, the um, what is it uh, the the change in culture where now the like league of legends world championship of the dft world championship are getting more viewers than some of these like sports finales i'm really happy uh, about it dude i'm so happy uh, about it so in the future we'll probably talk a bit about esports as well and 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 what's going on i I was at the international dota championship ti6 this past year with my brother um i will be going again and i think that as you mentioned um league league world championships are happening right now is that correct 
Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, but we've officially dated ourselves. It's all right. That's, all right. that's good. On the books. <laughs> all right, so we are both InkShare's authors. So I'm the author of Rune of the Apprentice, and Rick is the author of? The Seventh Age Dawn. And we both have um, release dates that are coming up, um, and we both have Audible books, aud- audio books that are coming up as well. So check them out on Audible. That's going to be so weird to listen to somebody else read stuff that you wrote. I'm not quite ready for that one yet. I'm, I'm so excited, dude. I'm so <laughs> excited. So I, I had the, I had the um, pleasure of speaking with my voice recorder already, the voice actor. He's a super cool guy. And he actually, he's done like over 200 audio books um, already. And he actually did some voice work for uh, Red Dead Redemption is either Red Dead Revolver or Red Dead Redemption. Um, I've played both of those games. I, I really enjoyed both of them. Um, but yeah, he's he's a really really good choice. I, I look forward to, to to hearing who they select for Seventh Age. It'll be pretty cool. Yeah, when maybe when I get to hear the guy who's gonna verbalize my words, uh, it's it's crazy to me. It's crazy to me the the amount of dedication it takes to actually do an audio recording. So, uh, in, in this uh, this this book checks book book section uh jameson and i are going to talk uh we're going to talk about books that are coming up out uh we're going to review some books or talk about things that we had noticed or spot on and we're going to discuss them and, and go back and forth uh both of us are are fantasy authors actually uh but we're in different categories i'm in urban fantasy uh, uh very much you know the you know, the city wandering around in, in modern day and incorporating elements of wonder. And Jameson falls more uh, just straight up into that epic fantasy genre of the completely fantasy tales with the long epic journeys uh, that span volumes of books. And so we both have a very different insight on what the what the fantasy genre uh, brings people these days. But we also still like science fiction. And I mean, I'm a huge fan of sci fi. Uh, the only thing that I know that I usually don't like to read myself is literary fiction. But Jameson, do you? You know, there's some really good literary fiction that I enjoy. Um, I don't know, man. Honestly, though, when I sit down, it's really either fantasy or science fiction, um, unless it's for work. But yeah, that's just me, though. I mean, I can give you an engineering textbook that explains all of the <laughs> details of, uh, you know, uh, hospital uh, emergency power systems. I mean, yeah. it's a fun read, but I, I was just at the Library of Congress, their book fair. So it happens in Washington every year and they didn't have any science fiction and fantasy and nothing geared towards really any millennial readers. And it was really depressing for me. So, well, yeah. One thing to consider is that, you know, the number six best selling book of 2016 is an adult coloring book. Now, not to knock on adult coloring books, but when we think about publishing industries and terms and things like that that are out there, um, what counts as success for different genres of fiction and what's really out there is is very different and something we can explore and talk about as uh, we have future episodes. But the you know, when they say bestsellers of books or the ones that take up the charts, a lot of them are like Sudoku books or uh, coloring books or cookbooks. Uh, genre fiction, you know, what can be considered a success is, uh, you know, uh, 2000 copies or something, you know, we can talk about that stuff too. Um, you know, but, um, the one thing that we are going to do for certain is, and Jameson can really, uh, showcase a lot of this is the hero's journey and how that ties back into gaming and storytelling as well, which we cover in our first two, 10 minutes. 
Absolutely. So, so it, it's really interesting. The hero's journey, Joseph Campbell said that we as storytellers are only telling, we're telling the same story many different ways. And this is the story of the hero or the heroine. Um, and, you know, he created this entire uh, circle of how, how that story unfolds and that it'll unfold, although in a infinite amount of ways, it'll be hitting very similar um, kind of waypoints along that path. And so, one of the things that I really like to look for is how can we, as storytellers, tell that story in a new way that unlo unlocks new um, new understandings of our own lives? Because, right, we tell stories um, when whether it's escapism, whether it's inspiration, either way, hopefully it makes our normal lives better in some way. It's not just pure escapism, although when I was in high school, I was doing a lot of that. Uh, but I, I like to look at it now as how can I inspire myself now through story, through science fiction, fantasy, video games, whatever it is. So when I re-enter my normal life, I do so with added vigor, um, inspiration, so forth and so on. I think that the hero's journey, that's thats what our modern day hero's journey is, at least in my mind. Jameson, you have a far more um, optimistic outlook on it. I just want to look at the hero's journey and how it relates to Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we can do that. I, we can do that. I, I wonder if actually someone has like really broken it down. That would be cool. That'd be a good YouTube video. Actually, that'd be pretty sweet. Um, we could do that here too. Um, Joseph Campbell's really awesome. I So I have a psych degree. That's what I studied. Um, and then I applied it in writing, which is a, a funny thing. But um, if, when you look at Joseph Campbell's understanding of the hero's journey and then how he used Jungian archetypes, uh, Carl Jung, um, it's really amazing, man. And as storytellers, I think that we unconsciously tap into those archetypes as we're as we're telling our stories and that's why they're universally you know ac accepted tales and universally inspiring to people um now i like to do it with a veneer of like fireballs and you know i think i, I think that uh you know sword, well, I mean, sword fighting and you do little of, va vampires and stuff like that right well, well one of the steps is you have to have supernatural assistance right in there order to begin that's, this journey it's right true. so it's whether, true. whether it be the the jedi you know power or you know whether it be a, a kid in big hero six that has a uh, a brother who teaches him like cool nanoscience uh, at some point in any of the hero's journey, there's a, 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 a power that breaks the laws of the current reality um, right. that are, so that are introduced. Yep. So, um, but that being said, and while we go over that stuff, uh, it is about books. So Jameson, what are you reading right now? What am I reading right now? Um, honestly, I'm actually I'm not reading anything. I'm finishing up a uh, a project that I was working on beforehand, and then getting ready for my book launch in November. So I'm I'm not reading anything. Gosh, what a what a what a sad state. Um, I did play the the mountain, so I, I was playing playing an indie video game. What about you? Do you okay. have a better answer than me? Uh, yeah, I have a better answer. I'm uh, actually currently reading two Inkshares books right now. Um, I spent my afternoon reading the, the single version. Uh, by Scott Berry. Uh, it's uh, like this post-apoc or this uh, uh, roach punk. Uh, like, you know, there's cyberpunk. I, I just got my copy in the mail yeah. and I, there's a big old roach right on the cover. Yeah. So I uh, just started that and I'm about halfway through uh, uh, Brian Guthrie's Rise book. Cool. Um, so, you know, I'll have more on that stuff as I finish it. And and so real quick, because we're both looking at the timers, countdown, again, half hour here as we are going to ob obey this timer. Um, we are going to be doing some reviews. And so we're going to be doing um, it not super harsh. I, I think that I think Rick has a pretty I, I'm I'm a pretty, pretty like 
mellow, easy reviewer. I think Rick is maybe a little bit more. Here, I'm gonna let you talk. Bolt. Yeah, my handle is Crinky Bolt for a reason. Yeah. All right. Uh, so now go ahead. You got it. So 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 we're gonna be doing some reviews for you guys. Um, we're gonna be doing Inkshares books. We're gonna be doing um, mainstream mainstream novels. Uh, Rick is gonna be specializing in literary fiction, as he told you. No, I'm just joking. Um, it, it's really gonna be all science fiction, fantasy, folks. So uh, if you enjoy that, you've come to the right place. Um, yeah, man. So, I, I think I, I think I think this is it. We got we got we got a really 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 cool um, schedule planned out for you guys. We're gonna have a bunch of interesting interviews, um, sneak peeks into some video games, and we're really excited to bring you Half Hour Heroes. And one last thing that we can end on is because you have books and we have music and we have geek culture uh, that goes with music too. And Jameson, you found, or go ahead and tell the story you have. Yeah, so I, I, am a, I am a military spouse. My wife plays for the Army Field Band at Fort Meade. And not only do we as, as a family love geek culture, but the United States Army actually really does too. So she, again, she plays a French horn. I'm going to play a, a quick little clip of... Uh, what her band is currently playing. This is a live recording of them. So do you already know what it is? <laughs> That's right. Game of Thrones played by the Army Field Band at Fort Meade. It's pretty awesome in my opinion. So that's that's how deep geek culture has, I would say, infected in a good way, but permeated our, our, our world. So if you want to find this clip, you can go to the Army Band website. I'm sure it's like armyfieldband.com, and you can listen to the whole thing. They play across the country. So that is our timer. We are done. Any, right, any, closing, any closing thoughts? Nothing. Till next weekend, or next time, or next next half hour. Half Hour Heroes, James Stone, Rick Hines, signing out.